0: One of the characteristics of PCC, as part of our DNA, is that we have people who are committed for the long haul. It's not just for you know a few years here, a few years there, but it goes not just years, but goes by decades. You know, decades. <laughs> right. So in the case of Pastor Jocelyn, this is the church that she was saved in, and this is where she has been 36 years and. Uh, Yesterday evening, we had one of our oldest, actually currently the oldest living member of PCC who came to the service. Now, you you know why? Because he is 98. He walked into the service with a a walking stick. And of course, it's not convenient, you know, to move around. But uh, he also joined us, uh, or got saved in PCC, about the same time as Pastor Jaslyn, Uncle Ku, some of you will know, right? Uh, He has also been with us all these years, right? Uh, Pastor Lady and I, we have been here 31 over years now. So this is one of the characteristics of PCC. We are people who belong and we belong for the long haul. And this is why God has enabled us, you know, to do what we have done. So we thank God for what God continues to do among us as we continue to serve Him together. Amen? Come on, say amen. 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 All right, last week we started a mini-series on the Psalms. And I know some of you here love to read the Psalms because they are poetry. song. Uh, Psalms are actually meant to be sung, expressing the emotions of the people of God, as they face all the realities of life, the ups and downs. When life was good, everything was working as it should be, they wrote psalms of what we call orientation, where life is orientated. And then when life is upside down, they also continue to write psalms, which we call psalms of disorientation. And then when they struggled and they prayed and God came through and their lives are in order again, then they wrote more psalms and we classify them as psalms of new orientation or reorientation. So when you read through the Psalms, you can look for some of these large categories. Of course, there are many other kinds of psalms, including psalms that speak about the Messiah to come, or we call them messianic psalms. So Psalms are poetry. And a question is, why did God include poetry in the Bible? Why is there so much poetry in the Bible? If you have a Bible that uh, arranges it in such a way you can see, you know, the lines, you know, the way the lines are arranged is not, you know, just from end to end, but it's like short lines and then another line, another line. Then, you know, it's telling us that in the original It's actually poetry, even though after it's translated to other languages, we don't see it as such. But so much of the Bible is actually poetry. Why is that so? Because God made us in His image, a God who feels, and poetry and songs express feeling. That is a very important part of us, because songs are accompanied by music, and also they have No words that, for for English, it rhymes, right? But in Hebrew, it's the thoughts that rhyme, you know? It's the thought that is repeated. And those things are something that our brains are wired, you know, to uh, respond to, okay? Now, for example, if you watch a movie and there's no sound at all, can you be moved? No matter how... Good, the portrayal of, you know, the scene. But when there's music, somehow, you know, you're carried along. And you enter into the scene. Are you with me? All right? I, I, maybe some of you don't know what I'm talking about. You know, those days when, when movies first came out, right, it was, just move, it was just moving images. Okay. Later on, then, they, be, they became what they call them, talkies, huh, where... Uh, It is accompanied by sound and then music. And that is how God made us, so that we are able to feel emotions and express them. It's very important how we acknowledge what is really going on inside and express them in an appropriate way, in a biblical way. Now, many of the Psalms, we have notations. And those notations also give us a clue as to what's going on. If you have read the psalm, many of you may have noticed that some of these psalms are described as a maskil, M-A-S-K-I-L. You notice muskil, and you wonder, what is that? Well, the muskil is a Hebrew word, that a verb that means to instruct or to make someone wise. So some of the Psalms are actually written to instruct us, to make us wise. How many of you want to be wise? Come on. Amen. Well, read the Psalms. (laughs) It's not just the Proverbs, okay? Now, Jesus quoted from the Psalms quite a lot in his lifetime, including when he hung on the cross, he was still quoting the Psalms. So obviously, he memorized the Psalms and he believed that the Psalms were inspired word of God. God actually gave us the Psalms to shape how we think and how we feel as well. So that we can feel as God feels and think as God thinks. Because the Psalmists are very honest in their emotions, expressing both joy and sadness so we can identify and we can express with the words of the Psalms what's going on in our lives they are very honest in admitting even when they felt God was far away. Now, how many of you have experienced times when you know in your head, God, you are near me. You are with me. That's what you promise, But I cannot feel it. It feels like, God, you're so far away. Now, how many of you have experienced that before? Would you not? Yeah? Okay, some human beings here. All right. And this is what the psalmist expresses time and again. When they felt that you know God was far away, and perhaps this even happens sometimes when you are in the midst of the people of God worshiping God, and people around you are responding to God and they, they, they know God is present, and they feel God's presence, and you say, I feel nothing. What am I doing here? There are such times in our lives as well when somehow we lose that connection, when we lose that heart or emotional connection. How do we respond? What do we do at such a time? Well, we are not alone. The people of God have faced it and they have written poems and psalms to help them go through that period. So today we're going to look at two psalms that are very closely knit together as one poem. And expressing the hard feelings of a worshiper who felt very far away from his spiritual home, which is Jerusalem. God promised to dwell only in the temple, and his presence between the cherubim, the, the, the wings of the cherubim. So there was only one place where God's presence could be found before Jesus Christ came. So, this is a psalm, and we're going to read it together. Let's stand together and read the word of God. We're going to read Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. And then, as we read, I want you to look at the connections between these two psalms. Okay? Are you ready? Children, are you ready? This is family worship, so we want the children to read out loud together. Okay, children say yes! only a few there. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's go. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? When I remember these things I pour out my soul within me For I used to go with the multitude I went with them to the house of God With a voice of joy and praise With a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast Why are you cast down O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God For I shall yet praise Him For the help of his countenance, O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mizar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime And in the night His song shall be with me A prayer to the God of my life I will say to God My rock Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning Because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the breaking of my bones My enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long where is your god why are you cast down O my soul and why are you disquieted within me hope in god for i shall yet praise him the help of my countenance and my god psalm 43 vindicate me o god and plead my cause against an ungodly nation Oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for you are the God of my strength. Why do you cast me off? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God, my exceeding joy, and on the harp, I will praise you, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask that your Holy Spirit will come, And anoint your servants so that as your word is preached, we will receive it. And it will be hidden in our hearts and enable us to think with you, to feel with you, and to go through the times in our lives when we feel you are not close to us. Father, work a deep work in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated so here we see the psalmist he has declared his faith he said god you are my rock you are my strength you are faithful you are powerful he uses words that express faith in god but he finds himself in an alien land a place of dryness where animals are dying you know and it looks a bit like this one too down here by the way Except there are no camels, okay? Right. So it's a place of dryness. And he feels dry not only outside but inside. And he remembers that he's probably close to the Jordan River. And he remembers where the Jordan comes from, which is from the slopes of Mount Hermon. And where it cascades down boulders and little falls and, and he says I remember you from the land of the Jordan from the heights of Hermon and in verse 7 there are echoes of waters where he says deep calls unto deep and the noise of your waterfalls okay now please you know keep your Bibles open because you know I'll refer to the different verses as we go along okay so you can see that you know he's expressing turmoil he is overwhelmed by what's going on Inside and outside, he's lost his footing. Waves after waves are covering his head. On the outside, his enemies are making fun of him. They are taunting him. They say to him, look at you. Where's your God? Where's your God? Look at you. You look like you're abandoned by God. And the taunts, the, the way they talk to him is like breaking his bones. That's how terribly he... He takes it, okay? That's the effect. But, and on the inside, he's depressed. He is cast down. He is in turmoil. He is so discouraged that he is on the verge of crying. Day and night, he says, my food have been, my te- tears have been my food day and night. You know, he's literally eating and drinking tears. Okay? You say, do people ever go through such a time where, you know, for, for I mean, at At any given moment, suddenly they can cry and just cry and cry and cry. Can people go through such a time? I have. That was a time in my life, and for days I just cried and cried and cried, you know? I couldn't stop. I know what this this Psalmist is, is going through, and maybe some of you can identify with that. So he was in turmoil, he feels like drowning, you know? It feels like he, he's just trying to stay above the water. The psalmist is down, very down. And it's a fact that most of us, if we live long enough, will go through times when we feel very down. Where we feel, in the words of psychologists, Depressed. Have you heard that word before? Depressed. Depression is real. People go through it for different reasons, okay? And he is down, but he is not out. That's very important. He is down, but he's not out. Just like in a boxing match, you know, sometimes the, the guy he gets knocked down. Alright? I know some people don't like to watch boxing. I don't like to either, right? (laughs) But I'm using that illustration. You know, he gets knocked down, and the referee, the umpire, is counting. One, two, three. He's down for the count. But he struggles and he gets back on his feet and he continues punching, right? So, which means he's down, but he's out. And this perhaps describes what some of us have gone through. We were down but we will not out. Can I say amen? That's why you're still here. (laughs) Amen. That's why we are here. So the question is this now. He is expressing something very deep. He says, why are you cast down, oh my soul? He is very cast down. Why are you in turmoil within me? He is not surrendering to his discouragement or depression. He is fighting for hope he says to himself hope in god for i shall yet again i shall again praise him he's fighting for hope even though on the outside it looked hopeless and on the inside he's depressed now last week we were in psalm 71 and there were a few phrases that i asked you to say hopefully that will stick to you Where the psalmist Express his trust in God, his hope for, the, for God to intervene and for things to become better, looking at the positive side of life. And also, he continued to praise God. So, the phrase was, I will always trust. I will always hope. I will always praise. Remember that? Hello? Hello? About three people nodded. The rest of you, the moment you walk out of the building, everything left behind here. <laughs> uh-huh. I hope not. So let's say it together one more time, I will always trust, I will always hope, I will always praise. One more time, louder. I will always trust, I will always hope, I will always praise. Now you go back to Psalm 71, you will find the basis for that, okay? so in this particular Psalm for this particular person, we don't even know who he is, by the way. Psalm 71 is anonymous, so it could be your Psalm. And Psalm 42 was written by the sons of Korah. Look at it, okay? It says what? The sons of Korah. Now, if you go back into the first few books of the Bible, you know that the sons of the... uh, Korah led a rebellion. And, and, you know, they were uh, swallowed up by the earth. It was a terrible ending. But some of his descendants survived. These were the people who survived. And their job was to praise God. You know, their job was to praise God. That was their full-time job, okay? And the irony is this, the people whose job is to praise God full-time can also feel very down hello hello pastors also can go through depression hello (laughs) okay it just means we are human all right so here is a psalmist who is very down now the question is this how did the psalmist respond to discouragement how did he respond we are going to trace the verses so have, have your bibles open and we are going to be look at the order. Okay, we're just gonna follow the order from the first to the last verse. The first thing we find in verse 1 and 2 is that he thirsts for God Himself. Now he is down, okay? And he could have said, God, deliver me from my enemies. No, his first cry was this: He says, God, I want you. God, I want you. I don't want anything else. I want you. And how does he express it? He says, As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Now, he is, he he pictures himself like a deer that is in a dry land and, you know, really... Thirsty, looking for water, knowing that if he, doesn't, if he doesn't get water, it's going to die. That his very survival depends on whether it can find water in time. That is how he describes his situation. He's thirsty for God. And Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. For righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger. When is hunger a blessing? There are millions of people who go to bed hungry every day in our world. They're out of sight, out of mind. So, you know, we don't think of them. How can that be blessing? How many of you like to be hungry? Say amen. How many of you don't like to be hungry? Say amen. Ah, see? <laughs> we don't like to be hungry. Actually, Malaysians do not know hunger. We only know appetite. Time to eat. Ah, you know, your, your, your body clock just works. Hunger is when all your store of reserves have been burned up. And depending on how much you carry with, on you, it could be anywhere from three weeks, four weeks to six weeks, okay, when all is burned up and your body is starting to consume living healthy tissue cells, that's when real hunger starts, okay, I know what that means because I had a period where for three weeks, you know, I was fasting and then after that I I started to be hungry, really hungry. Okay, so you stop being hungry. <laughs> Strangely, though, you know, after three, four days, you don't feel hungry anymore. Right? And then hunger starts. Now, thirst is even worse. When you are thirsty, when your body is dehydrated, you can get hallucination. Right? <laughs> your brain stop, stops working properly. And you can die faster from dehydration. So the psalmist here uses the image of thirst rather than hunger. He says, I am so dry, I'm so thirsty. If I don't get a drink, I am going to die. This is my first desire and my only desire. God, I want this. And Jesus says, this is blessedness. If you know what it means to be hungry and thirsty, it is a blessing It is a blessing. This is an irony. But this psalmist understands it and he has chosen the blessedness of those who are hungry and thirsty rather than the people of the world who are contented, who are satisfied, as Jesus says, you know, those who are full now. They will have the opposite later. Those who are hungry now, they shall be filled. So he has chosen this kind of blessedness. And he is calling out to God. So this is the first response. He says, God, I want you. Next, in verse 2, he remembers God's house. Verse 4, he says, When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitude. That means he's not there now. His mind is going back to a time and a place where he was with the people of God. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. So he remembers the past corporate worship experiences. Now, what is happening here? Corporate worship, when we come together as the people of God, whether Saturday or Sunday, it's more than just a human thing it's not just people coming to have a good time and we should not take this lightly because it is at such times that god comes and meets with his people can you say amen divine encounters and transactions take place real spiritual transactions so for the psalmist it was very important it was not just something he's thinking back of oh yeah you know it was a nice movie I enjoyed, you know. And the song was so nice, you know. It was not just sentimentalism or nostalgia. God wants co- corporate worship times to strengthen us, to anchor us and our faith in Him. Can I say amen? So that in the coming days, if and when we go through difficult times, we can look back. We can look back at the times when God met us in those corporate worship times. Yes, I remember. I'm very discouraged now, but I remember I was in PCC together with the PCC family. And I was worshipping God and God spoke to me so clearly. I even wrote it down. God touched me. God lifted me up. I know He's real. I know He's good. I know He's faithful. I know I can trust Him. So that is something that will anchor you and that will see you through. Just sometimes, just a memory. Just going back to the times and reliving those experiences. You know, From time to time, every year we we travel, and nowadays most of the time we travel is just to go and see our children, you know, in America, in Germany, and we are away for a couple of weeks. And you know, I come to realize more and more that what I miss more than anything else is the worship together with God's people in the PCC family. It is not even the food. It's not even the Toze. <laughs> because when I came back this time, I wasn't, I wasn't you know, uh, thinking, you know, I want to go for the Toze, you know. It was the worship of God's people, just being back in the family of God and worshiping God together. That is the most precious thing. And that's something that I look forward to in a sense. So, you know, this is what the psalmist is talking about here. He's saying... You know, I am thinking back to those times when I worshiped God, when the people of God in the house of God, does it mean that he didn't have his personal devotions? No. He had his own personal time with God, which is important. You need to have your own personal worship. But it cannot take the place of the worship with God's people. What makes this so special? It's not the, just the songs, the music, the likes, you know the atmosphere, is more than all that. It is the fact that you are meeting God. You have come and you have experienced the reality of God. And this is important because there will come a time if you live long enough, if you live past 70, past 80, into your 90s, because of good medical care, (laughs) that you will not have many friends that are worshipping you because you have already attended all their funerals. (laughs) Okay? And the question is, do you still come to the house of God because it doesn't feel the same anymore? This is the challenge that some of our young people face today because it's a very mobile world. People are travelling all over the place. And they find themselves in, some of them find themselves in, in PCC, but they are contemporaries all over the world. And it doesn't feel the same. Or they find themselves in another city, and they're all alone. And they're looking for a church that feels like PCC, but they cannot find one you will never find another PCC. (laughs) Every church is unique, right? And God has a purpose for making sure every church is unique, right? So, which means they have to decide, do I go to the house of God to just feel that I am close to the people whom I know or do I go because I have come to meet God? You have to decide for yourself ahead of time. When that time comes, Will I continue to just come to the house of God because I have come to meet God? And this is still my spiritual family. Can you say amen? This is very important because this is a spiritual, divine moment where God comes to meet His people. And if you do not prioritize this, then you are missing something. Very important. If you think like, oh, today's not convenient, I'll go next week, then you will not have this anchor where the psalmist can go back to those times and say, yes, I remember. I remember. The third thing he did, not only did he say, God, I want you, not only did his mind go back to those times of corporate worship. Number three, he preaches to himself. How strange is that? In verse five, he talks to himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. So, what's he doing? He's preaching to himself, and this is something that we need to do. Is say, pastor? Is that you are the preacher? <laughs> I'm not the preacher. (laughs) How do I preach to myself? Now, uh, D. Martin uh, Lloyd-Jones, a well-known author, he said this, Christian author, he says, Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Hmm? Think about this, huh? Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Now, I continue the quote. There's, he said quite a few more things in this life. And this is taken from his uh, book, Spiritual Depression. He wrote an entire book called Spiritual Depression. <laughs> okay, it's a classic, right? Now, I continue this quote. Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they are talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man's treatment in Psalm 42 was this. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why are you cast down Oh my soul? He's even asking himself questions. Huh? Right? He stands up and he says, Self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. Now, this is something unique to human beings. Because we are made in the image of God, right? And we see, a, we see an echo of this, you know, where in Isaiah 60, Isaiah 6, remember the, the scene in Isaiah 6 where God comes to Isaiah, right, and the train of, the, the, of his rope fills the temple and, you know, it's majestic. And then the voice of God comes. Who shall go for us? Who's talking to who? There's a conversation going on between the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? There's a conversation going on. So we are made in the image of God. Now, I'm not saying that we have a tripartite personality, you know. Jackal Hyde, and something else. <laughs> right? Mr. A, Mr. B, Mr. C, you know. <laughs> no. What I'm saying is this, that somehow, because we are made in the image of God, no other creature has this unique ability to talk to self, to have a consciousness of self, and to be able, and to, to, be able to talk to ourselves as if we are actually... Stepping outside of uh, ourselves and looking back at ourselves and talking back to ourselves. Say that's strange. Yeah, we do it all the time. I just did it just in the service just now. I caught myself doing it because I'm preaching about this. Right? I saw somebody came coming to the service. I won't tell you who. And I said, "Wow, I misjudged the person so badly." You know? There you are. You are doing it again. You know? I mean, I have this. I have this weakness uh, somehow that, you know, when I see people, I kind of like, you know, put them in categories. Maybe you do also. Sometimes I put them in the wrong category, right? And then later I realized, oh, what a bad judgment, you know? So I, I just spoke to myself and I say, you know, there you are doing it again, you know? It's like, huh? Who was talking? Self, <laughs> right? So, so much of our self-talk can be negative and self-defeating. Have you not heard yourself talking to yourself, saying, this time, die la. Huh? This time, sure, die one. <laughs> Okay? And then you caught yourself and you're wondering, oh, really? Is that true? So, what is our self-talk based on? What are we preaching to ourselves? We should preach the gospel to ourselves. What is gospel? Gospel is good news. Say, good news. If you you need to talk to yourself, talk to yourself. Good news. Now, what is the good news? The good news is that God has sent His only Son to come and live a perfect life that we could never live and take our sins on His body and go all the way to the cross, suffer for us, die for us, bleed for us, His precious sinless blood. Buried for three days. Rose from the grave, ascended to the Father, coming back to reward his saints and to judge the world. That is the good news. So preach that to yourself. Now, Romans 8 has so much of this truth that and this good news that we can preach to ourselves. I mean, if you use this, it will be like this. Now, here you are, you're downcast. Let's say you know, you're discouraged. So you, you go to Romans chapter 8 you go to verse 31 and you say to yourself, Isaac, hope in God because God is for you. Who can be against you? He did not spare his only son. Isaac, hope in God. Who will bring any charge against God's elect? You are God's elect. God has justified you. Who's going to condemn you? And so on. So, you know, this is basically how you use the word of God and talk back to yourself. Preach to yourself, okay? Memorize some of these scriptures because it's going to be very helpful when you need it. The next thing we see him do in verse 7 and 8 is that he affirms God's sovereign love for him. Now, I want you to notice that when he talks about the waves that are breaking over his head, you know, deep calls unto deep, right? All the waves and billows have gone away. Notice, The language he uses, he says, All your waves. Who is he referring to? Is he talking to God or to the devil? He's talking to God. This whole psalm, he's talking to God. He's saying, God, I know you're sovereign, and I know that you have sent waves and billows that are going over my head, and I know that you will continue to command your loving kindness in the daytime and even at night your song shall be with me so he's confessing that god is sovereign and god is loving can you say a big amen Amen. now the strange thing is that he does not feel it he's feeling very depressed very down and yet he calls god his salvation and his rock and he never stops believing that God is still sovereign in the midst of all His problems, that God was still in charge. Can you say amen? It was not the devil's waves and billows. It was God's. Amen. God still ruled the world. And for whatever reason, He has allowed these waves. He never loses His grip on this great truth that God is sovereign and God is loving. Can I say amen? Come on, amen. This is a very important conviction because it served like a ballast that kept him afloat so that he was not capsized by the waves. Now, in marine engineering, they use a ballast. Sometimes it's a ballast tank, okay? Now, I don't know any of you have this background, but uh, Yesterday, we had a captain of a ship, big, you know, cargo ships, right, who was in the service, and he said, Pastor, how do you know that? <laughs> and then he told me, well, there are two kinds of ballast, okay? For cargo ships, it is liquid. For passenger ship, it's solid, you know, something like that. I can't remember which one it is, right? You can Google for yourself, right? basically the idea is this now this is a boat or a a ship no matter how the structure is right some are some sits very high above the water some you know sink deep down right so you can see that a little bit of it is above the water most of it is underneath are you with me so what happens when the waves are very big and they bang you know against the crash against the side of the the boat what happens it will tilt, right? It will tilt, okay? So, what happens if it's so strong, it tilts, and then the water all comes in. What will happen to the boat? It will sink, right? It will capsize. So, in order for the boat to stay afloat in the fiercest storms, and the waves are crashing left and right, and it's rocking, rocking. how many of you have been in such a boat before? I tell you, it's a bad experience. Huh? I was in such a boat, It it was not rocking this way, it was going like that. Because the waves, we were were heading into the waves, right? So it's going, ah, ah, right? And uh, I was at the side of the boat, vomiting the whole time. I tell you, it's a terrible experience, all right? (laughs) We were just praying, God, take us safely to the (laughs) shore, okay? So during that time, what is needed is more than prayer. What is needed is that there needs to be a strong ballast. There needs to be strong, a heavy weight at the bottom of the boat that will hold the boat down so that no matter how strong the wave pushes on left or right, it can only go so far, it will not go further. Why? Because the counterweight at the bottom is pulling it down. Are you with me? And what is this ballast? It is your conviction That no matter what happens, God is still in charge. And God is good and loving. We sang it just now. God is good all the time. Amen? So, this is what he had. He had this as a ballast to keep him upright in the midst of the fiercest storms of life. He says, God, it is your breakers. I know you're still in charge. You have not delegated the running of the world to the devil or anyone else. He affirms the sovereign love of God. And then in verse 8, we see another thing that he does in the midst of his deep discouragement. He says, he, says, he sings at night. His song is with me. Hey, he's still singing. It's not a very happy song. Maybe this is the very psalm he, he sang. Okay. Just now we also sang this, huh? All right? Why so downcast, oh my soul? <laughs> Put your hope in God. <laughs> okay, it's a little bit upbeat though, but uh, but it is still nice. Now he's writing poetry in the midst of his deep <laughs> discouragement. He's writing poetry. He's writing songs. He's singing songs. Now, how many of you can write poetry and songs when you're discouraged? I can't write poetry and songs even when I'm encouraged. <laughs> I can't do it. It doesn't matter. You don't have to because there are many gifted poets and songwriters who have written many beautiful songs and poems. And the Holy Spirit has made sure that they have been put right in the middle of your Bible so that when you need a song to express what's going on, you can find one right in the middle of your bible it's called the psalms amen it's called the psalms whether you are feeling deeply convicted whether you are feeling up on the mountaintop you have a psalm that you can find and whether you are in the deep valley you can find a song to sing i tell you we we need all kinds of songs for our walk with god it's not just happy songs It's even songs that says, Oh God, where are you? Songs that says, You give and take away. That Job confess, It is well, It is well With my soul. A long time hymn that we can express that confidence in the dark valleys. And then in verse 9, as we progress down the the poem, the psalm, he again questions why. He says, why have you forgotten me now? It sounds strange. After declaring, you know, that God is sovereign, God is loving, what does he do? He's he's asking questions again. He's saying, God, why have you forgotten me? He knows God has not forgotten him, but he feels God has forgotten him. This is how human beings are. Have you been there before? You know that God has not forgotten you. He cannot forget. But in your heart, you feel like it's true. And his enemies are still making fun of him. And he's crying out to God. He said, God, why? Why is this happening still? It's okay to ask God these questions. God will not be offended. Job asked many questions. It went many chapters. And God didn't interrupt him until the very end. So here, we have the psalmist crying out to God. And you see that his, his dependence is shifting from the things that this world can offer to the things that cannot be found in this world, that cannot be shaken. And this continues in the chapter forty-three, uh, Psalm forty-three, where he prays confidently, "Vindicate me, O God." Now, come on, look in your Psalm forty-three in the Bible. "Vindicate me, O God; plead my cause against an ungodly nation. You are the God of my strength." And then, in the next breath, he says, "Why do you cast me off?" So you can see, you know, that he is expressing confidence in God, but at the same time, he's also asking. God, difficult questions. He's questioning. Why are you so downcast, my soul? He's still fighting for hope. He's still preaching to himself. And as the psalm comes to an end, I want you to look in your Bible now. Come on. I won't show you. Look in your Bible. Psalm 42, Psalm 43. How does the two psalms end? What is the last thing that the psalmist says? End of 42, end of 43. Come on. What is he saying? End of 42, end of 43. Just look at it. And give me one answer. What is he saying? Same thing. <laughs> He's saying the same thing at the end of 42 and the end of 43, and then it ends. You say, huh? Really? Pastor, did he break through or not? Did he come out of his discouragement? I don't know. The story has no ending. We like stories that have good ending, right? How many of you like to watch stories that uh, movies that have no ending? One, you know, it's like at the end hanging. You know, it's like you don't know what happened to your hero. You know? whether he live or die. You know, whether they got married or not. You don't know. Uh, you don't like that, but this is reality, and this is how it ends. is hanging. And in spite of the fact that you know he is he's hanging on to God, but we don't know whether he broke through. Now, I want to ask, why does some of these psalms have such a funny ending? You don't know whether he you know broke through or not. Okay, well, there's one good reason because the story of his life was not over yet at that point. How does that help us? Because no matter what you are going through right now, the story of your life is not over yet. Can you say amen? It's not over yet. It's only over when they finally write your obituary. That is over. He fought the good fight. She finished the race. He kept the faith. Yeah, at that time, it's over. But until then, It's still in progress. The movie is still playing, so to speak. So until then, we live in a tension where the problems of life sometimes overwhelm us while we try to focus our hearts and minds on things above. We live in the real world. And this should cause us to desire the ultimate reality, which is God himself. So that even if we lose everything in life, we will not lose that one ultimate reality. And that is why the psalmist, his first response in his depression, discouragement is this my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Because he knows God this. Is the only thing I really need. I want you. I will not settle for anything else. Hope in God. When shall I appear before you? All of the troubles of life only drove him to this one place where he says, God, I want you. May that be true of us as well. Let's pray. as we bow before the presence of God, these moments of divine transaction. There are some brothers and sisters here that are feeling overwhelmed. Going through pain and suffering much more than I will ever be able to empathize with But still hanging on. And sometimes feeling that God has abandoned you. God is far away. Today, God has provided us an avenue to express what's going on inside us. Psalm 42 is one good one. There are many others in the Psalms that enable us to express to release what is inside, to connect with God. And there are others of us who may be more connected with the Psalms of orientation right now or reorientation because life is going well or or things have been restored. But the Psalmist instructs us to seek the ultimate reality. And that is God, for the living God. Today, no matter where we are in our journey of faith, which part of the story of our life is being played out, the challenge is to be more like the psalmist, to maintain our hope through the struggle of the night and to keep our focus on the one ultimate reality, God Himself. Oh God, make us like the deer who pants for the waters, who knows that its very survival depends on having you I'm having You to pursue You above all things, to hunger and thirst for You. Father, we ask for Your Holy Spirit now to come and do a deep work in our hearts. And yes, there are some among us who are going through the dark valley, whether it is caused by physical ailments, emotional stress, relationship breakdown, stress in work or in studies, whatever is causing it, today, there is a way we can express it. And I want to pray for you as well. If that's where you are, you say, Pastor Isaac, would you pray for me to cling on to God, to hold on to His sovereign love, if that's you, as our heads are about, would you just lift, a sign, lift, lift your hand as a sign? Anyone here? Anyone here that would say, Pastor, pray for me? Yes. Yes. I'm going through a dark valley. Yes. Yes. Anyone else? Quickly. Yes. As we pray, if you lift your hand up or if you want to receive this prayer, if you, even if you didn't raise your hand, would you lift, put your hand on your heart right now as we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you will reach down right now let this be a moment of divine transaction you will stretch forth and touch my brothers and sisters and that you will remind them who you are that you have never left you are always close by even though we cannot feel you at times and that you are the sovereign Lord you have allowed waves to sweep over our heads but you will not let us drown because you are a faithful God. We trust in your sovereign love that your purposes are good and will be accomplished in our lives. So we ask that you will enable us who go through the dark valleys to find a psalm, a song that will express that which is locked up inside and enable us to connect with you again. Father, we thank you. We ask also for the rest of us who may be in good times that we will never forget that there is one ultimate reality in life and that is you and may we learn to be the psalmist who desire you more than anything else lord may this be our prayer and our lives as well in jesus name Amen. last step